What I want to do is to take about 30 minutes, 35 minutes, something like that, not too long, but long enough to talk about spiritual communion. And maybe you can share in, in some of this as well. But in order to be, do this and to begin, we usually begin with prayer anyway. What I'd like to do is to begin with the spiritual communion liturgy. And if you have it, you can follow along, but if not, just listen. And then I want to talk about what it is. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Ghost, amen. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory, forever and ever. Amen. Let the power of the Holy Spirit come upon me, O Lord, I beseech thee, that he may both mercifully cleanse my heart and defend me from all adversities. Through Christ our Lord. Amen. The epistle is written in the third chapter of St. John's uh, Revelation, beginning at the 20th verse. Behold, I stand at the door and knock, and if any man hear my voice and open the door, I will come into him and will sup with him and he with me. Here endeth the epistle. The Holy Gospel is written in the 15th chapter of the Gospel according to St. John, beginning at the fifth verse. Glory be to thee, O Lord. I am the vine, ye are the branches. He that abideth in me and I in him, the same bringeth forth much fruit, for without me ye can do nothing. O God, I am very sorry that I have sinned against thee who art so good. Forgive me for Jesus' sake. Amen. In union, dear Lord, with the faithful at every altar of thy church, where thy blessed body and blood are being offered to the Father, I desire to offer thee praise and thanksgiving. I believe that thou art truly present in the holy sacrament. And since I cannot now receive thee sacramentally, I beseech thee to come spiritually into my heart. I unite myself to thee and embrace thee with all the affections of my soul. Let me never be separated from thee. Let me live and die in thy love. Amen. Come, Lord Jesus. Dwell in thy servant, in the fullness of thy strength, in the perfection of thy ways, and in the holiness of thy spirit, and rule over every hostile power in the might of thy spirit, to the glory of the Father. Amen. May the body and blood of our Lord Jesus Christ preserve my body and soul unto life everlasting. Amen. Blessed, praised, and adored be Jesus Christ on his throne of glory in heaven and in the most sacred, in the most holy sacrament of the altar. Amen. Soul of Christ, sanctify me. 
body of Christ that saved me, blood of Christ that inebriated me, water from the side of Christ wash me, passion of Christ strengthen me. O oh, good Jesus, hear me, within thy wounds hide me, for me not to be separated from thee. From the malicious enemy defend me, in the hour of my death call me, and bid me come to thee, that with all thy saints I may praise thee forever and ever. Amen. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Ghost. Amen. So this is, uh, the, the very notion of spiritual communion is something uh, that I learned about from my very first Anglican priest, uh, who was a, a, a Father Bill Foote, who, uh, after he was my priest, uh, was uh, Father Gene Godbold's priest and, and his family. And then uh, shortly after uh, Father Gene uh, and his family moved to Chapel Hill, uh, cross myself for that, that's only a joke, guys. Uh, Bishop Chad uh, came there and lived in the attic while he was the uh, while he was in seminary at Duke. But Bill Foot taught me about spiritual communion uh, because it's a tradition within the Anglican, the Anglo Catholic Church, uh, and it, it's a way uh, for us to lay hold of the benefits of the sacrament even when that sacrament against, because of no fault of our own, has been removed from us. Uh, so the first point that I want to make about spiritual communion, uh, and this is pretty obvious, I'm sure you all know this, uh, spiritual communion is not a substitute for feeding upon Christ in the Mass. If you can attend Mass, then the need for spiritual communion doesn't exist, right? The need for spiritual communion is entirely based uh, upon the absence of the Blessed Sacrament, a sacrament of the altar being removed for some reason of necessity. And by necessity, I mean something that is against our will, or certainly not something that we willfully are participating in. Necessity that brings about an impediment to receiving the sacrament. So what are some impediments? For example, I mean, we're using it, obviously, the sort of situation that our, the world, the whole world is going through right now is a universal impediment to receiving the blessed sacrament. I can't consecrate the mass and, and mail it to you. We can't do this. Uh, we can't do this online. Priest, you can't, I can't tell you to have some wine and, and, ho and host available, and then, you know, we'll bless them. And, and that doesn't happen. It happens locally. And so we're in a situation right now uh, where there, a, a universal impediment has been imposed upon us all. Does it make sense? Okay. Another impediment would be an illness that prohibits you from attending Mass. Now, in most cases, when people are ill, one of our priests, or our deacon, Deacon Jean, will take the Holy Communion uh, to you. Uh, but there are situations where that uh, doesn't happen. 
we don't find out about it, uh, or for some reason it doesn't happen. In those cases, then that would be an appropriate time for you individually uh, to uh, to make uh, to make use of uh, take advantage of spiritual communion. In the case of an individual illness, could be a situation where you're taking care of somebody else. Could be a situation where you're called out of town to take care of an ailing parent or an ailing friend, uh, and and you don't have the sacrament available to you. Then that's that's a would be uh, an appropriate impediment uh, that would allow you to do this. Uh, another, uh, and this is just sort of building on that. Uh, but another impediment would be the absence of a priest to consecrate the elements. Uh, people uh, in Catholic churches where parishes are being planted may not have a, uh, may be isolated and, and not have a priest available. Uh, and in those cases, rather than despairing, uh, then they would have, uh, they would have the benefit of the liturgy of the of spiritual communion. Uh, another another impediment I should ask uh, maybe well let me just do this last one and then we'll see if anyone has anything to add uh, another impediment would be an uneasy conscience uh, now I realize that you know none of you ever have an uneasy conscience uh, about anything uh, like I do but but there are those situations that come up occasionally when you know, we want to make the sacrament, but we are held back because of an uneasy conscience. And as the prayer book says, we should find us a minister and open up part of our brief. And that's the situation. We haven't had time to do that. And then what do we do? Well, that that's that's what we do. Then we have at least the advantage of this and a good and and. Uh, before we're able to, uh, we can do this if, if we don't have the opportunity to make a confession. Let me, uh, spiritual, so to the, the, the sum that up, uh, spiritual communion uh, is not a valid alternative to attending the Mass if one can attend Mass. Uh, if, there, if through some necessity uh, one is prohibited, as we are now uh, from attending mass, then we have a we have a uh, uh, we have an obligation uh, to uh, to attend mass, uh, and, uh, and I mean that's that's a, mo a moral and spiritual obligation we have all always on Sunday to make our communion on Sunday, and has appropriately uh, taken that burden. Uh, promise because of the universal impediment that is, is laid upon us all right now. Let me just stop there and see if anyone has anything to add. Father Sean, I don't know how to do that, but uh, do they signal you or what? No, if anyone wants to talk, you just unmute yourself, uh, which you go to when you move the cursor over, you just click on mute on the top right corner. I think everyone can probably realize it figure that out. Or sign language works too. Right. Uh, I, I, UG, I have one question about um, um, 
how does uh, like a midweek mass? I mean, I, 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 are you talking about only Sunday mass? Or are you talking about any mass? Well, can you speak to that a little bit? Okay, that's that's good. We're, I'm I'm talking about our, our fundamental obligation per baptism and confirmation is to make our communion every Sunday. Uh, that fundamental. Uh, now it's good to make your communion every day. Uh, Wednesday is part of that. Uh, we have communion uh, every day when we can, uh, and that's to and uh, your advantage as well because if if you if you can't make your communion on a Sunday, uh, then you can come on, and some of you do this, you'll, you'll come on Tuesday or Wednesday or one of the other days, in which case then uh, the, uh, the spiritual communion, if you're local and can go out, then becomes unnecessary. Uh, so it, your obligation is a Sunday obligation to make your communion every, uh, every uh, Sunday. Uh, and and of course, as you grow in in faith and grace, generally speaking, we want to increase that appropriately. Don't make communion two times on the same day. You can make your communion the next day, uh, like on a Monday. You might want to, at some point. I'm going into another area here, uh, but you might want to in, like increase your communion by going to the going to parable holy days. Good, very very good question. Does that help? It does help. Okay, good. Any other any other comments or questions? Okay. I uh, I have thought of times of war too, like if your city is being bombed or something like that. There you go. Yeah, I mean, absolutely. I mean, you, you can you can. We've all been through ex the experiences of necessity that have prevented us from making our communion. But deciding to play golf Sunday morning isn't uh, <laughs> necessity. Deciding to go fishing Sunday morning instead of mass, you can't make that up by coming back and doing your spiritual communion. Uh, it's a necessity, and we've all experienced those necessities. Uh, and and uh, I have, frankly, said very little uh, about this uh, the whole time I've been here. What about vacations, Father Glenn? Yes. I said, what about vacations when we can't find a Catholic church to go to? I think I, I would say, yes, absolutely. I would say, absolutely. Say, do what you're doing now, which I think most people, you can't find a, a church to go to uh, where you can make your communion. Uh, then say morning prayer and then, and then end morning prayer uh, with, uh, with the... Uh, with the spiritual communion. That's a very good example. Yeah. And, and let me say this too. You think of other ideas uh, and other, other places and other events where this would apply. Uh, write it down and, and, and send an email uh, to us. Uh, and, uh, and then we can send them to, to, uh, others. I'm going to say something about that before we end. Let me, let me, uh, make just another comment because I want to get this in and we don't, we don't have a lot of time. I don't, I'm, I'm doing this because I don't want to stretch this out too much. I, I want to get what I want to get to you and then we can think about it. Last point I want to make is this. Spiritual communion is an 
this is what I want you to see. Spiritual communion is an act of faith. Uh, it's an act of faith in God's mercy, whereby the Christian places his or her full confidence in God's mercy and loving kindness, and thus receives from God all the benefits that flow to the Christian when receiving the blessed sacrament, even when it is impossible to receive the sacrament itself. That is a very bold statement uh, to make. Uh, and, and some people uh, uh, take it too far uh, and, uh, uh, and, and abuse it. But the fact of the matter is, is that Christ doesn't desert us. We may desert Christ, but Christ does not desert his bride. Um, it's not merely, what I want you to see is that the spiritual communion is not merely an exercise to make us feel better about things. It probably will, but that's not its end. That's not its purpose. Uh, the purpose uh, is this. It is an act of faith. This is where the three the three theological virtues come into play. Spiritual communion is an act of faith in God, the blessed Trinity. It is an act of love for God, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And it is an act of hope in which we lay hold of God's will for our lives and for the life of the whole world. Faith, hope, charity, all brought together through focusing upon the, uh, the gift of grace and, and the sacrament of the altar. One other thing, one other point I want to make. In addition to all of those benefits, uh, uh, in this present darkness, this present danger that we're living through, it may help us experience a solidarity with Christians over time and in different places who experience sacramental deprivation as simply a, a, a part of their real life. And now it is a part of our real life, but it's been the part of a, millions and millions of Christians' real lives uh, for 2,000 years. Now it's part of ours. Imagine those members of Christ's body in lands and times when the church had no priest because they had been imprisoned and frequently executed. Imagine those times and nations in which the church's very existence was against the law of the land. Think of the days of the Russian Revolution when priests and nuns and bishops and Christians were, were executed and killed in mass for their faith in Christ. Uh, think of nations today like Saudi Arabia where it's simply against the law for the church to exist. Or Japan from 1549 to 1614 when the church was illegal and public worship was impossible and the invisible Christians, the secret Christians, uh, were deprived of, of the blessed sacrament. There was a movie recently on that that 
that really is quite poignant and, and uh, uh, focuses on the, uh, uh, the hidden Christians of Nagasaki. Uh, even in those times, this is a point, even in those times and in those nations, Christ was present to his bride and he's present to us. Maybe this necessity laid upon us today can help us pass over to the situation of so much of the church throughout history when she was deprived of the life-giving sacrament. That's the last point I want to make, but I think it's, uh, I think it's an important one that might help us to, to, to uh, compare our situation today to millions and millions of Christians and what they've experienced throughout, throughout the centuries. There's one last thing I want to say, and then I'll see if y'all want to say anything, which you can absolutely do, uh, is several of you have sent me emails uh, on uh, prayer requests, uh, uh, how your family was coping, things you were doing. Uh, in some cases, uh, uh, things you're learning about how much you love the sacrament and didn't even know it, uh, and how missing it now has opened up your heart and taught you things. And send those to me. I love to get that. And what I've talked to Father Sean, and what we want to do is to periodically put some of these, of your reflections together and send them out to the parish. It's very encouraging uh, to me, and I think that they would be encouraging to you as well.